He really is high, man. Shoop, shoop, shooby doo Get jiggy with it. Skippity bebop. Good morning, Brian. <laughs> you made me laugh, you know. And 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 yesterday, when my wife was watching my TV program, she said to me, "Why are you talking so quickly?" And now, when I hear the playback, I wonder, am I am I am I running? Am I, I seem to be talking too fast. So I better slow down, Kathy. Yes. Good morning to you and your, and our listeners. And I can confirm, if you vape, if you use marijuana. If you smoke weed or whatever the case you do, I've had replies from various companies. I've had replies from Old Mutual. I've had replies from Discovery. And I've had replies from Liberty. You will be considered a smoker. And even if you smoke one cigarette, one cigar, you will not get non-smoker rates to repeat, to repeat. I will be dealing with it a little bit further in our conversation this morning. Good morning, Kathy. Well, good, good morning. morning. Good morning, <laughs> Brian. Yeah, uh, we just thought we'd have a bit of fun with it. Uh, we did have a bit of and, fun. And, first time I've ever heard that. And you know, 30 years into this program, first time I've ever heard that sort of start. Wonderful start. And, 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 and the reality is that it, it is a very valid question. Um, but as you always say, Brian, there is no such thing as a stupid question. They can only maybe be um, stupid answers or invalid answers to those questions that our listeners might have in store. Um, of course, today you're not in studio. Are you recovering? How's your foot? Yeah, look, my foot, it's not, it hasn't recovered to the extent it should. I've got a, they've suggested another five weeks or six weeks. And because of the walk from the car park to the studio, I thought I'd just stay in my office and just take it a bit easier. I am flying to Cape Town tomorrow. And I will be using a wheelchair, which is uh, unusual for me. Um, but uh, it's coming on fine, Cathy. All right. Well, Brian, we continue to wish you a very, very speedy um, recovery. Unfortunately, uh, I won't be in Cape Town, so I can't push your wheelchair you know, down the corridor so that you just sort of slide down. You know. There's no reason. There's no excuse. <laughs> All right. Brian, let's get into our conversation for today. We're going to be um, talking about some of the nuggets of the secrets to a, success, a successful financial blueprint. And it's an important conversation to have, especially this time of the year. So what are some of those nuggets? Okay, so let me, let me do a comparison to what is used in the, in the world of psychology and team training and all those things when they talk about being unconsciously incompetent versus consciously competent. As you know, the first stage in business, you're unconsciously competent. You don't know anything. People keep telling you what you're doing wrong rather than what you're doing right. And eventually, you stop doing those things wrong, so you become what we call consciously incompetent. And then moving from the conscious incompetence to the unconscious, because of that, you become consciously competent. And ultimately, when you know exactly what you're doing, we call that conscious competence. It's the same in the financial world. People have got investments. They make investments on an ad hoc basis. They make investments. They buy life insurance. They buy retirement funds. They make investments. And they don't, and often it is so what call incongruent. We don't have it in the steps. In other words, I teach to individuals, you need to understand where you are in your financial world. 
what you're trying to achieve, what your objectives are. But you, every time you make an investment, every time you change your financial plan, you need to go back to the starting block and have a look at how does that piece of that jigsaw puzzle fit into the overall puzzle because you want that puzzle to be congruent. So it's important, and that's what individuals tend to do. They buy ad hoc. They phone me, what should I do with 10000 What should I do with 50000 Without understanding where are they in that thing. So all I'm saying to our listeners is when you're involved in a financial plan, when you're talking to a financial advisor, they can look at the whole plan. Don't just be buying one thing from one person, another from another. You, know, you can buy from independent, different people, but make sure that the last, in your last transaction, you are, that person is understanding where you are in your journey. The second thing is, I've said this and I know this ad nauseum, is ad nauseum, the doing a budget. And, and we need to understand regular monthly expenses and other expenses that come up frequently during the year. You also need to compare your yearly income after tax to what you need. I mean, I've quoted this before, but I, I've always loved this quote that came uh, from Charles Dickens. He says, he, he says, you know, a person who earns a guinea, and for those, most people don't know what a guinea is, a pound used to be 20 shillings, and a guinea was 21 shillings. He said, someone who earns 20 shillings, which is a pound, and spends a guinea, one pound, one shilling more, will be a poor person and a worried person. Someone who earns a pound and only spends 19 shillings will be a very rich person. So it's very important that you understand. And understand where you can cut back on your expenses. And I mentioned one last week. I mentioned life policies. I can't tell you how many people who have given up smoking do not know that they, if they inform the insurers, and they, I've got letters from insurers, most insurers were giving me six months, but a few insurers were saying one year, check with your insurer if you stop smoking, discounts can you get? Have a look at The next point is, have a look at your cell phones, have a look at your personal householders or risk and motor insurance. When you're looking at life policies, never replace a life policy before you've been accepted by another company, but have a look, look what's available. Remember, remember, money doesn't buy life insurance, it's your health advisor. Look at potential loyalty programs, look at some of debt, which means unhealthy versus healthy debt, a bond debt versus unsecured borrowings, and then have a look at what medical aid you're on, and then the biggest trick, trick is please pay your credit card in full, because if you pay your credit card in full every month, they will not charge you interest. Even if you underpay by 100 rand on your credit card, you will have to pay interest for the entire month. And those are the places you can save money in order when you do that budget going forward to January now. Payday is still 10 days away, but certainly start doing things now. All right. We'll continue this conversation with Brian Hirsch. We're talking about the blueprint for a successful financial plan. We'll continue with this conversation after this quick break. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. All right, we continue the conversation on the talking point. So, Brian, the the issue of a financial plan, must you always get somebody who is an external party to help you with your financial plan? Or is it something that you can just do on on your own? Because the reality is that 
when we think about how we we as we want to spend our money all of these decisions technically are part of a financial plan but maybe not as formal as one would have um when they're working through it with with a with 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 a qualified practitioner so what i was asking is is that do we always have to work with a professional to put together a financial plan or is it something that we can do it on our own because as we make decisions about our finances on a day-to-day basis doesn't that constitute a, some form of financial planning even though it's happening on a very um informal basis Kathy, very few people are, are actually schooled in understanding all the nuances when it comes to a financial plan. There's other administration issues in a financial plan. There's the There may be the, the need for trusts. What happens to minor children in the event of the of the of the parent? If it's a single parent, even um, both parents, what happens if they pass on? What happens to the funds? So, a financial plan planner's role is to hold your hands right through day one, right through to the end of the time when you need either sadness in terms of death too soon, um, providing protection for families, and then ultimate retirement. I, I, can, I can share with you a story. I've been in this industry now 58 years. I had clients who in 2022 turned 100. All three of them turned 101 in 2023, and unfortunately, all three died. I held their hands over a 40 to 50 year period. My oldest client at the moment is 101 who I saw last week and she still needs advice she still needs help so i think you build a relationship with a financial planner you trust the financial planner even though you may only pay you may be paying them a little bit half a percent of your to look after your investments it's well worth it you know i had a situation recently where someone asked me about the need for a financial planner they they, they had money they sold a home in, in cape town and they wanted to invest the money, and we told them we charge half a percent. They said, how much? It's absolutely ludicrous. I said, tell me, you sold the property in Cape Town. What did you pay the agent? They said, 5%. And I said, when are you seeing the agent again? And they said, no, I've sold that. I'm never seeing the agent. So I said, you paid an estate agent 5%, and you want to pay a financial planner half a percent, which is equivalent to 10 years at half a percent to what you paid in the state agent. So the benefit of using a financial planner, if you lose confidence in a financial planner, change your financial planner, but really have someone who's skilled and schooled in helping you in your way and helping you with what I call the financial jigsaw puzzle. All right. So, so then we certainly have, you know, just your motivation for why you believe it's better for us to walk the journey um, with a financial planner versus trying to do it on our own. The difficulty, however, though, is that when you have to approach somebody else with the state of your finances, you can become a lot more self-conscious, right? Do I earn enough to actually be seeing a financial planner? Um, this person probably deals with people that have millions and millions of rand. And maybe I, I think what I'm bringing to the table is small in comparison to what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. Kathy, most 
most financial planners deal with individuals who have small money, maybe just buying a life policy, to others who've got larger amounts of money. It's all relative to you, the individual. The funds, the money you have, and your financial plan are just as important to someone who has a million. Let me also make the comment. There are many, many people who've made money in Industries, and I think of one particular client, he's made an absolute fortune in the trucking business. He knows the trucking business backwards. He knows everything there is to know about that industry. He knows nothing about money. He's made his money in that industry. He's now sold out of that money business, and he's now got money to invest. If he doesn't use a financial planner, where is he actually going to get that expertise? And it starts with, in, with the younger people as well. Where are they going to get someone who spends, we're all licensed, we have to be compliant, we have to provide under faith, uh, all the information, understand the individual, make sure the individual understands what we're doing. Most people, don't, um, don't, if they don't use a financial planner, they're not always sure why they've done what they've done. And when they get into financial difficulty, it's easy to stop doing what they're doing. Financial planner is not only there to hold your hand, Sometimes they become financial nannies and sometimes financial psychologists. Last year, everyone was panicking about the market. If you sold out of the market last year, you lost out in return internationally, if you invested offshore, 23%. That's what you lost last year by being in cash versus being an investment. So a good financial planner would have said, don't get out of the market, don't panic. Long-term growth is long-term. It's not six or 12 months, it's five, 10 years. Stay invested. There was more money last year held in cash in 2022 than for the last 50 years held in cash. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what is happening um, with our line with Brian Hirsch this morning, uh, but we will try and get him back up on the line. It's edging towards um, 10.30 where we'll take the latest news headlines. So what I'll do is that we'll take a quick break. It'll lead us straight into the headlines and then we're back with Brian and some of the questions that you've already started sending through for him. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. All right, we continue the conversation with Brian Hirsch. Brian, unfortunately, the line to you seems to be a bit unsteady this morning, but we'll uh, continue nonetheless. Can you hear me now? I can hear you, Kelly. All right, great. So what I'm going to do, Brian, is that I'm going to take some of the questions that our listeners have already started sending through to you. The first one is from, I think, is is it Suk Dio? I'm not sure how we pronounce your name, but age 35, he says, Hi, um, my question about my best egg destroyed by levies, assessed by Levy Co. in Arcadia, Pretoria. For the past five years, I owe 800,000 rand in levies when my 90,000 rand flat was paid off in 2006. Is this legal and what recourse do I have as the sale value is half of what I owe pro-admin for security at our entrance? Look, I don't know the circumstances. I, you know, you, you've given me just some numbers. You, you need to talk to a legal person. I'm not a legal person. You need to actually get all the information and consult. Unfortunately, it's going to cost you a bit of money, but unless you can do it yourself and ask for absolute clarity, all the reasons why you owe this sort of money, <laughs> the, the, the fact that you, your property is worth half or whatever the case may be is the issue. The issue is 
what you, what what do you I mean how could you have done this speech and attorney sorry I can't give you anything further yeah. than that. Look, look look Brian in fact we've got we've got Dio on the line Dio good morning good morning Kathy thank you so much and Brian yes sorry Dio maybe maybe I didn't pick it up just share with me your issue basically the question is uh, Brian can uh, a levy company be so regulated that they cannot inflate their fees beyond the cost. Even today to sell the property, I'll make half of what they're asking me, 800000 in just levies, uh, and it's a poorly managed property anyway. So I just want to know if there's a regulator for levy companies because I've lost one property already on the same principle because I was overseas. You know, just, uh, to just explain something to me, You've got a property, and every and every month there are levies due. Yes, sir. Is that correct? Yes, yes, and have but you, it's been you, increasing. And been, when I was overseas, I could not keep up with the increases, and when I tried to have meetings, I couldn't get them to give me a meeting. And so, is this a resident this property? Flats, yes. Yeah. These are you know flats in Pretoria. And how long how, have you looked? Have you not kept up the payments on this, this property? The payments have done since 2006 and 2007 for these two properties, but the levies continue for you know the external uh, parts of the building, especially the entrance and security gate. But we don't have those; uh, they are manually opened by people who are paid 2,500 in this day in South Africa. It's a company that's extorting us basically, but I didn't want to say that right at the outset. But, but dear, Mark Rick, you haven't paid Levy for 18 years. No, no, no. They, they've been paid. It was managed by another company, Hirko, until 2018. I got back to South Africa in 2019, and uh, I owe them since then because this building was under administration. So yes, I'm willing to pay, but with the compound interest and fees, it's 800,000 rand for one building, which I paid 90,000. You've got to consult a lawyer and get all the information okay. and the reasons. I'm sorry I can't be more helpful in it. All right, Dio. Yeah, sorry about your experience, Dio, and, and all the best with trying to get to the bottom of it. Um, Yamkela in Cape Town says, sorry if this is a stupid question. Yamkela, they know the stupid questions. Um, I'm a postgraduate who's about to start working uh, towards the end of the year. I want to know, is there a minimum monthly income required uh, to start a relationship with a financial planner? I'm desperate to work with one because my goals are long-term investing towards purchasing my first property in five to ten years' time? Definitely not, because very simply, when you graduate, you're going to want to do work with someone, and that person can't look at it and say, well, am I going to make money out of this individual today? Can I sell him a product and walk away? You're going to be working with someone who may, at this point in time, derive no benefit from working, but looks at it long-term. I mean, every financial planner looks at clients long-term. I'll never forget what my mentor in 1967 said to me. He said, Brian, look after your clients, give them good service, and as they grow, you will grow your business. I repeat that. Brian, look after your clients, give them good service, and as they grow their businesses, you will grow your business. And that was my motto. That is what I believed in and what I stuck to 
all these particular years. And when I was off air and talking, I didn't know I was talking to no one. I was making the point. When you have a relationship with a financial planner, it's exactly the same as any other professional, a doctor, accountant, or lawyer. The only difference on death or retirement, the only person that will be there will be your financial planner. If you don't know, any longer need your lawyer or accountant and you're healthy and you don't need your doctor, they won't need to be there. However, your financial planner should be there. Build a long-term relationship with someone that has three components. One, they are capable, and we're all governed by phase. Two, compatible. And three, who you have confidence with. Um, I've got a concern here from from Willie, who says that most financial planners are crooks, and you know they 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 they, they chow your money cunningly, as is put it in in this text, and uh, take a lion's share of 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 your money if you're not careful. So how then, Brian, do we protect ourselves against financial planners that might just be in it to make a quick buck? You have every way of protecting yourself. Financial planners are governed by FASE, which is the Financial Advisory and Intermediary Services Act, which explains fully the roles and responsibility of financial advisor. If you think your financial advisor has taken you for a ride, you can go to the long-term ombud. He is the one that oversees any complaints made against financial advisors. If you're dealing with an agent, then you've got the ombud, the, the insurance company, Companies, each one of the insurance companies have their own ombud. You can refer the case to them. They will investigate independently and they will rule independently. And if they f- find a financial planner that's either inappropriate, giving you inappropriate advice or leading you astray or doing anything like that, you certainly have recourse, which people did not have 10 years ago because there was no recourse. Now you have all the recourse. And a financial planner can either be fined or they can be they can be barred from continuing in the industry. All right, let me take this WhatsApp voice note question for you, Brian. Hi, Brian and Kathy. Can you advise? Is it necessary for everybody who qualifies to have the credit card? If I decide to stop that account what are the disadvantages and the advantages an account that at times you don't even use but i know it can assist you sometimes but at a cost but will you advise that we keep on keeping all these credit cards of ours that will be taking money every year every month or perhaps we can stop them. Brian? Yeah, well, well let, me, let me make this comment. First, all these credit cards. One shouldn't have all these credit cards. Why does one need uh, more than one credit card? Secondly, the world is becoming what we call cashless. The world is not starting, is stopping to, you know, last year or the year before, no more check payments, and a lot of organizations now will not take cash. Certainly, you know, protection for that organization, if if criminals know that that organization does not not take cash, the chances are there's no reason to hold them up. So there's there's a security aspect. Thirdly, if you pay your credit card off 
in full at the end of the month. In other words, don't leave anything outstanding. You will benefit of something between 54 and 56 days of credit. So your, your credit card gives you that, that, that amount in terms of what you spend because you'll only pay for all those purchases at the end of the period. Yes, drawing cash on a credit card is expensive because it's, it's equivalent to the, the cash component and that, there could be charges of anything up to 15 cents for that drawing cash. So maybe drawing cash is not the answer. Maybe drawing cash from your own savings accounts is the answer. But I do believe a credit card is becoming essential as so many um, institutions, so many um, suppliers are not going to be taking credit cards and uh, cash in the future. So, so, so then, Brian, why do you why do you say it's not a good idea to have more than one credit card? Well, why why have more than one credit card? It means are you are you using different credit cards because you're paying off different? Are you using credit on the credit card? Why does one need more than one credit card? And sometimes you get loyalty. You get loyalty, and I mentioned that there are some very, very valuable loyalty programs where if you use a particular credit card and you get all the different uh, e-bucks and all the different types of uh, benefits from using that credit card, that's to your advantage. I mean, I went, I, I went to Discam on Sunday and they asked me, do you have a, a Discam card? Which I don't have and, because my wife normally buys me. And, the, and then I got a statement from them that over the last few months, my wife's got a credit of 315 rand of the discount credit card for having used the lawyer at no cost to her. The car cost doesn't cost any money. So I'm saying I think there's advantage of building up, uh, um, as building up, um, using one credit card and using and finding what loyalty program do they have by you using that one card. All right. I've got a question here from Shane in KZN. Shane wants to know, he says, Dear Brian, I have an overseas bank account with Standard Bank. I have a debit card that I can withdraw from um, South African Standard Bank ATMs and also from other local banks. Unfortunately, I get a receipt for withdrawals, but the receipt doesn't show my available balance. I approached my local standard bank to no avail. They couldn't check my balance. So he wants to know, do you have any advice for how he can check his balance? No, but I mean, you've got an, so you've got an overseas bank account and you're drawing money on that account in South Africa. Well, you're going to have to get a monthly statement from the, from, from the international bank, and they do supply those just to check and mark off all money you've drawn or all money you've deposited against the monthly statement. I mean, I reconcile my monthly statement every month. I have a look at what entries have come through. As a matter of fact, last month, there were a whole lot of entries come through which were fraudulent, and my credit card company reverse those entries out of the uh, out of the statement but if i hadn't that up either on a credit card or a bank account how would go about it so we all have a responsibility to do some administration on our accounts and to and to evaluate and to check that anything we're spending any money we're spending is actually money that is correct and is correctly recorded on your bank statement the only suggestion i can get is ask the bank to send a statement every month so, so then he has to get in touch with the bank where he's opened the account and not yes. um, the local standard bank because they no, clearly can't help yes. him. He must get hold of the international bank and say, please, I want, I, I want a monthly payment. Okay. 
Sounds pretty clear to me. Um, this question is from Nahim Peer. Uh, Nahim says, uh, Brian, can you advise on Blackpool Bitcoin ETFs? As um, the rest of this question, uh, spot buying, etc., to add to our financial portfolios. What's Blackpool, Brian? Not a clue. Never heard of Blackpool. The only Blackpool I know is the soccer club in the second or third division of English football and also a lovely holiday resort for many people for the weekend. But having said that, certainly ETS is exchange-traded fund. That's where you're investing in an index, and that index is made up of of what, I mean, if you talk about a technology index in exchange-traded fund, you would be investing in the top um, international um, technology companies and rather than buying themselves so you'd be investing in Apple, Amazon and Nvidia and Tesla and Louis Vuitton and all the top brands that's an exchange traded fund you can get industrial you can get property exchange traded funds you can get uh, uh, mining and resource trade exchange traded funds that's a good way but where does that fit in your puzzle Bitcoin is a question that has been asked on numerous occasions. The, 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 certainly the, the younger individual, the younger investors are certainly starting to take, uh, invest in Bitcoin. It's done exceptionally well. It's still a third of its all-time high of 2022, but compared to where it was in 2022, it's up nearly 70, up to nearly 300% from its low of around about 15 to around about 43 so people have made money on Bitcoin I don't know enough about it my problem with Bitcoin is I'm not able to evaluate in terms of understanding where the money comes from it's all supply and demand whereas if I want to buy an Apple share I can evaluate exactly what their profits where they made the profits where they're reinvesting money and what they're doing Bitcoin is certainly sounding as if it's something that one should consider, but I would never advise anyone to have maybe more than 2 to 3% in a Bitcoin, but you've got to understand the risk and you've got to also understand where you're buying it from, because I think there's a, you know, if you're not buying it from a reputable dealer, there's the chance of fraud. Um, so these are all different components that a financial planner can sit down with you, and a financial planner can even take you through a Bitcoin and traded fund. I don't invest with my clients in Bitcoin. I don't know enough about it, but I've got clients who have said, I still want to be invested in Bitcoin and have made their own decision, not the decision reached by the advice I'm given because I am governed by phase, take a little bit of the funds and put it into Bitcoin. All right. So, and, and, and BlackRock, um, Brian, have oh, you Black ever Rock. heard? Sorry, sorry, BlackRock, not Blackpool. Yeah, well, it you know it looks like this person may may have wanted to say BlackRock and not Blackpool. Well, Black I'm, I'm assuming BlackRock is an international um, a, a company that allows you to invest through them into a whole range of investments. It's a well-established company. I've never done any due diligence on it, so I can't comment the security. But it's a well-known, well-respected company throughout the world, and you invest in BlackRock and BlackRock have all these different funds, exchange-traded funds and all the things. So what you're doing is you're going onto what's called a platform through BlackRock, as you could do with Investico Correlation and a whole lot of other companies globally. Uh, and then you've got to get someone to say, well, what are, what, are you, what are you trying to do? What is your 
alternative, which funds do we invest in Black BlackRock? So it's an international company, can be a good exposure to international markets, international property and equity markets. All right, fantastic. We're talking finance with Brian Hirsch. I'm taking your calls on 086-000-2032. On the WhatsApp line, your text messages and voice notes on 0614-104-107. Brian will take any of your questions related to um, the financial plan. Of course, it doesn't have to be limited just to the financial plan um, that we've discussed this morning. Brian, I've got a question here coming through on X, and that question is, about taking out loans or using one's credit card to pay for school fees um, and, and they just want advice on that issue. Hello, Brian. Are you wondering, sorry, what you're taking it? Uh, look, recently, understand, if you don't pay your credit card off in full on a monthly basis, you are going to pay higher rates of interest, anything ranging between 14 to 80%. You need to look at your credit card statement. At the, the last page will tell you what, what you receive if you leave cash in your credit card. And I can tell you cash in the credit card will give you around about 1% uh, if you've got a balance. And if you've got a debit balance, you could be paying anything between 14 to 16%. And you're still going to have to pay it off. So I think maybe you should talk to the school and go to an arrangement where maybe you pay. I, I know that many schools will give you a discount of 5% if you pay off money. Well, 5% is, is really not, not – it's, it's, it's a lot less if you're going to pay it off money than to pay an extra 5% than to pay 14 or 15% on your credit. Have a look at the end of your bank statement, of your credit card statement. It will tell you what are you going to pay – for unpaid amounts. And remember, it's going to be the full amount of what you've used in that month, not just the amount. Let's say you've got a, debit, a balance of 4000 and you only pay 2000 you, you don't only pay interest on the 2000 You pay on the full 4000 rand that you received as credit during the month. So, so you would advise then um, this listener to rather enter into a payment arrangement with the school than to use their Absolutely. credit card? Yes, absolutely. And you know what I'm doing now? Just I'm stretching to have a look at my credit card statements and what they what the banks actually charge on credit card statements. All right. Brian, we're losing the line to you. I want us to redial you. We'll take a quick break and then I'm back with more of your calls. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. All right, we continue Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch. Brian, you are rummaging through your desk to find your credit card statement. Let me tell you, Discovery Credit Card, which my wife has, pays debit interest rates of 19.5%. I use a Nedbank card, and my debit rate is 22.25%. Sure. And if I have 50,000 rand credit in my credit card, I get 0.5% interest. So don't keep money in your, don't keep cash, a credit balance in your credit card. Rather pay, keep that in the bank and pay each month your credit card. But 22.25% is what this person, if you put your school fees on your credit card and you pay them off, that's what you'll be paying. 
Okay. Rather negotiate with the school at payment arrangements. All right, all right. I think that's really good advice, Brian, because, uh, you know, I, 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 I presume that a lot of parents just feel the pressure in, in the moment and they, they respond uh, to that pressure. Um, and, and, Kathy, let me say this. Mm. Most people do not pay their credit cards in full. They only pay a portion off of their credit card and they run debit they run debit balances all the time. Well they must have a look at the the item what they chop what they've been charged for doing that. Yeah. The privilege of doing that. Twenty two point two five percent. It's enormous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Thomas, you're in Newcastle. Good morning. Morning, morning, Chris. Um, I actually wanted to ask Brian, it's on behalf of my daughter. Uh, she 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 has she has a, a payment on a vehicle with a company, and uh, she needs to take a break. You know this tax uh, this payment holidays of about four months on a maternity leave, right? She has talked to them and all that, and now they are saying, yes, we will give it to you. Um, uh, the only thing that is going to affect you, we will at the end of your term. Your term will increase basically by about uh, a year. In other words, it will be the four months you take leave on, and then they are adding an equivalent of uh, a year if you add those four months, which to me is eight months. And I'm thinking, does that make sense? I've said to her, rather don't do this, just be in areas and pay erratically until you're back in action, because she basically is increasing her repayment by a year if she does this payment uh, breaking is that a, a sound thing for them to be adding eight months on top of the thing. Yes, you're, ab- you're absolutely correct. It's a, it, you're absolutely correct to be concerned for your daughter. What's happened is each installment that she makes, she pays, she pays some capital and she pays some interest. So now when she's not paying any capital or interest, they're going to be charging her additional interest on that capital that's unpaid for the four months it must be and then they're going to recoup that at the end of the payment because now what they're going to be saying is she missed those four months now the capital wasn't just for the one month it was right till the end of the contract so if the contract's got two years to go they're going to be charging an interest on that capital payment that she never made during those four months for two years and if you add that all up it, you know it could be eight months it could even be more than eight months you just got to, but that's absolutely correct. That's what their contract says. So very, very poor decision. And even if she doesn't pay them the full amount, she's still going to pay interest on that amount that she hadn't paid in terms of term paying off the capital. In other words, when you buy the car, you borrow money, you've got an interest payment, and you also every month got to reduce the capital. So that at the end of the period, as long as you don't have a balloon payment at the end of the period, she may also have a balloon payment, which means the last installment will be higher than what she's paid because she's only been paying off interest. So it depends on the lease, but it does sound right. And you and you have every right to be concerned and advise your daughter of the dangers and pitfalls of doing that. All right, Thomas, does that help you? Yeah, yeah, it does. But I have a follow-up if you'd allow very me. quickly. Yes, right. yeah. yes, I wanted to say one. We had chosen not to take the balloon, so the thing is not on the balloon. But the other thing, personally, I was saying to my daughter. I don't know. I'm not a financial advisor. But age, I think, has taught me maybe my, my information is old. I've said to her, rather miss a month and catch up, miss a month and catch up than taking a formal thing. But then they are just charging you interest for not paying, which I think will be better than 
this arrangement? Is it the sales advice? You're absolutely correct. Catch up. Don't allow it to accumulate. It's like if, you t- if you're paying off a bond and you now want to borrow on the bond and you want to leave it for the same term as your bond, you're going to pay that much more. So when I say to people, if you're restructuring your, thing, um, your, cre- your, your finances and you take money out of a bond, make sure that you pay that, bo- that, that extra amount you've taken, not over 20 years, but as quickly as possible to run down the, the, the interest. Because uh, interest on interest on interest at this point in time is ludicrous. Absolutely sound, your thinking. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. All right, all the best. Uh, that is Thomas out in Newcastle. Brian, I've got a question here from one of our listeners who says, my uncle gifted me with shares. He sent all the necessary documents to shares holding company, um, and she, she names the company there. They sent me documents to complete. I don't understand the info they want. I've called to ask for help, but this is not happening. And every time I speak, I speak to them until my airtime runs out. I'm looking for advice as to who I can contact there. And it's Grand Parade Investments Limited. Just just repeat that company. A Grand Parade Investments. A Grand Parade. Yes. A Grand Parade. I yes. think Grand, one of the companies, Grand, I don't know if they still own, own Burger King, but that's one of the companies that still used to fall in Grand Parade. Yes, very simply, um, I, I'm not sure. Look, I'm, I'm, I, may I suggest... Uh, you will take your number down. Please take the number down. I'll speak to our administration uh, officer in our broking office to find out what he needs to do to get those shares transferred from uncle to him. All right. Okay. Well, but but one would also think that if you know if the company knows that this is a process that somebody has in, has initiated, they would also have an interest in seeing it to completion. Kathy, the service levels. And it's so, you know, you're absolutely right. But, you know, you write letters, you don't always get replies, you don't always understand the replies. There's no one there to hold your hand through the process. I'll find out what needs to be done, uh, where those shares, because those shares that, he, that he, the uncle's gifting him are also in some registrar. Some office has got those shares on their, on their registrar, mm. and we need to find out who the registered office is for Grand Parade. Take the number down, I'll phone the individual back. All right, no problem. Thanks, Brian. Um, as always, it's been a pleasure. Speak to you again next week. Thanks, Kathy. All the best. Take care. All right. Week. That's where we leave it with Brian Hirsch. It's 11 o'clock. Time for the news.